0: Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT.
1: What's up and welcome inside the SI. Gambling Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Corey Parson, the fantasy executive here. No Ben, no Frankie today. Getting ready to get hot. some hardcore NBA talk, especially some NBA draft stuff. And I welcome in former NBA player and Stephen Bardo. Stephen, um, bring, I want introduce to you, introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Because I think you have a real interesting media empire growing as far as in terms of basketball.
2: Well, I appreciate that, Quinn. I appreciate uh, you having me on. You know, you mentioned that I'm a former player, and currently I'm a college basketball analyst with Big Ten Network and Fox Sports. I'm also going to be an analyst with uh, the in the Basketball Africa League, the new NBA league that's over in Africa. Uh, we'll be doing a color analyst on that. And I've also got Bartles Breakdown, America loves food and sports on, di- on the digital platform, so just trying to utilize this media space like everybody else.
1: No doubt about it. I'm trying to do the same thing, so maybe one day I can be like you, but listen, we'll talk about that a little bit after the program, so I want to hop in here right now and kind of talk about some of these rumors that are floating around and kind of get into some of this NBA draft stuff in a little bit, but first I want to start off with the big one, especially where I'm at and probably just around the, uh, the, the country. Me being a Knicks fan, it's not, well, me being a former Knicks fan, I got a love hate relationship with the Knicks, Steven. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. <laughs> Obviously, if you've been in, you are know, in the basketball city, the best basketball city, and your team has been trashed for twenty years, um, you know you would start to fall out of favor with them. But here's we got talks that Kevin Donat and Kyrie Irving will be joined by possibly James Harden from the Houston Rockets in Brooklyn. Do you think this is a good fit for that team? Obviously, you put these three these three megastars on the court. It's one thing. They seem like they would become a, your ultimate favorite immediately in the Eastern Conference. But I worry about a first-year head coach dealing with these quirky personalities.
2: Corey, can I curse on here? Sure. Hell no. No, no. James Harden, James Harden is like Frankenstein. Mike D'Antoni created a monster. And if he doesn't have a specific... Uh, system that is geared solely around him, I don't think that he can take a backseat to anyone. And I don't think Kyrie Irving wants to take a backseat to anyone. And Kevin Durant definitely doesn't need to take a backseat to anyone. So I think uh, it would be a bad move for the Nets. The the broad movement would be non-existent. Um, And those guys are so mercurial. They're so sensitive that I don't think that they could coexist if – uh, one of them wasn't the man, so I, I I don't think it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about it because, like, we've already seen two lead guards in Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook kind of want to maneuver away from James Harden, and obviously we see how the situation ended in Golden State with uh, Kevin Durant, how it ended in Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant, and then Kyrie Irving, we see how it ended in Cleveland, how it ended in Boston. I'm always, I'm talking about endings over here with these three superstar players. You feel what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I, I, I feel you, and it is it is appropriate because these guys, you know, they they were in really good situations. Every situation that you just brought up, Boston Celtics with Kyrie Irving, Golden State with Kevin Durant, Oklahoma City and Houston with uh, James Harden, they were all in winning uh Franchise, they were winning teams, and yet they were upset, they weren't pleased with the outcome. So, I i, I totally agree with what you're saying.
1: All right, so now I want to talk about some of these coaching changes that took place over the course of the offseason. And I'll start in Chicago. Um, Oklahoma City Thunder, former Oklahoma City Thunder head coach Billy Donovan, he comes in there and he takes over Zach Levine, Kobe White. How do you think Donovan uh, does through this situation in Chicago, and who do you think they should be taking – who do you think they'll be looking at in the draft?
2: I I like the hire Billy Donovan for the Bulls because the Bulls organization finally got rid of the, the front office, who I thought was abysmal. I thought they made terrible decisions. They did not develop young talent. I think that that's one of Billy Donovan's strengths is to develop young talent. I think that him bringing Maurice Cheeks along – will help out Kobe White immensely. And it's my feeling that the Bulls will probably go for a lead guard, which would be Tyrese Halliburton in that position. So I think that uh, Billy Donovan being able to develop young talent, Lori Marketing, Wendell Carter Jr. uh, You know, the Bulls have some interesting young talent. Zach Levine could be a superstar under the right guidance. So I I like that hire. And I I think that uh, I would be surprised if the Bulls did not select Tyrese Halliburton with the number four pick.
1: Interesting stuff right there. Now, let me ask you this, because you brought up Billy Donovan, and I and I think Billy Donovan did a fabulous job last year with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Him alongside Chris Paul, obviously Chris Paul comes in there. That team was written off. If I'm not mistaken, they finished as the fifth seed in the Western Conference, which nobody had them pegged to do that. Now, with that being said, Donovan leaves OKC, he goes to Chicago. Chris Paul ends up in Phoenix. And, you know, it seems like 2020 has been going on for 20 years. But I remember back in the beginning of the year, a guy had did a study. I'm not quite sure who it was of starting fives when they're on the court together. And he came to the conclusion that the best starting five on the court together was the starting five of the Phoenix Suns. Now, you go to All-Star break, you go through the pandemic, you get to the bubble. People kind of forget about that. Then the Suns go 0-8 in the bubble and end up just missing the playoffs. Monty Williams does an excellent job out there. Monty Williams and Chris Paul have worked together in the past. Now you bring Chris Paul to the Phoenix Suns. How far do you think Phoenix can push it in the West this year?
2: I definitely expect him to get to the playoffs. I think Chris Paul did his best job this past season with Oklahoma City Thunder. You, You hit it on the head nobody was expecting him to even be this competitive, let alone get into the playoffs. And so I think he solidified himself as one of the best leaders in the NBA. And I expect Devin Booker to be probably the leading scorer of the NBA this year. Uh, they have some really good young talent. You mentioned Monty Williams and his ability to connect with his players. I think that uh, the sky is the limit for Phoenix. As long as they can stay healthy, they can continue to, uh integrate DeAndre Ayton because I think that he could be a solid uh second option for them and allow Chris Paul to be more of a distributed leader and a third option on the offensive end.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot what they're putting together out there in Phoenix. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, JB Brickerstaff took over at the all-star break. Um I forgot I was the dude that they brought in there that absolutely was a disaster. Oh, I can't think his name is his name, his name skips my mind right now. The college coach from Michigan, B Line.
2: Oh, John Beline, yeah. Yeah,
1: John B line, absolute disaster. The, the the whole thing that went down with Cleveland last year. Once again, they have a high draft pick again this year. What do you think of Bickerstaff? What do you think of some of those young pieces with Colin Sexton and Kevin Porter? Do you think they could be traded on draft day? And do you what do you think uh, what do you think can happen um on draft day for the Cavaliers?
2: I think everything is open for Cleveland. If they want to get back to a level of competitiveness. I think everybody has to be available uh, via a trade or something of that nature. And if I'm Cleveland right now, I'm looking at the draft. If I'm not going to make a a draft on uh, – if I'm not going to make a trade on draft day, I'm going to look for the best particular talent. And where they're drafting right now, I think you probably look at Obi Toppin or uh, uh, Denny Advia uh, from Israel as one of the two players that I think – they uh, will probably be best suited for that situation. I do like Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, I think that he has some upside. Um, Colin Sexton, I think, needs to go back to school and learn how to play the game. I think he's a tremendous athlete, but I, his basketball IQ is very low because he was never forced to learn the game at the high school or college level. He's still a young player, still got a tremendous upside, but he just – has to learn how to play, and so if you're Cleveland, if you're not making trades, you got to get the best uh, available talent. And I believe that would be Advia or Obi Toppin where they're where they're drafting.
1: Yeah, a lot of people talking about uh, Denny Advaja coming out of Israel, coming into the draft. You know, a lot obviously because of an international play. A lot of comparisons to Luka Doncic. He is not the type of player that Luka Doncic is. Totally different. He can't finish above the rim like Doncic. That shot is not there. But Adva is going to be a, a good, solid pro in my opinion. We'll see how he uh, takes to the game. I mentioned the New York Knicks at the top of the program. And the situation for the better part of two decades in New York has been horrific, to say the least. Um, But the Madison Square Garden is still sold out every night. Now, with that being said, I'll be honest with you. For the first time in a while, I'm optimistic about the Knicks because I think Tom Thibodeau is a serious, legit head coach. I think RJ Barrett is a ball player, and I kind of feel like the, the the pieces are going in the right direction. I'm not saying the Knicks going to be the eighth seed this year. I think the Knicks will be competitive. What about you?
2: I agree because every time Thibodeau has been the head coach, his teams play hard. Even in Minnesota, when it seemed like those guys didn't take to his style, it seemed like he, you know, kind of wore his, wore out his welcome because he was a expecting a lot from them at least the franchise of the knicks and the players of the knicks understand coming in this guy's a hard driver and so maybe in minnesota they're like ah you know we you know we'll, we'll see what happens but no new york understands exactly what they're getting um rj Barrett, I, I think your, your opinion of rj Barrett is a little bit higher than mine Okay, uh, because I, I think he's just one-handed um he's very uh you know, it's, it's easy to guard R.J. Barrett right now. Now, that could change because that young man has potential that's unlimited. But to me, he's still left-hand dominant. He's got to equal out his right-hand opportunities. And I also think Mitchell Robinson is going to be a fantastic player for the Knicks. They've got some pieces. Uh, and, again, I think if they can buy into what uh, Thibodeau was trying to do, he can definitely bring the Knicks back to a level of respectability this season.
1: Yeah, it hasn't been that way for a while in Madison Square Garden. Speaking of last year's draft class, obviously, Jama Morant comes out the gate smoking. But the talk and ESPN's programming was built around Zion Williamson. We didn't get him to start the season. Then we caught a flash, a very good flash, right before the pandemic started. And then as we go into the bubble, we see this photo of Zion looking like a Mack truck. Then he goes into the bubble. He leaves the bubble. (laughs) And he comes back, and he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Stu Jackson, no, not Stu Jackson. Jeff, Stan Van Gundy, new head coach in Orlando. They just shipped off Drew Holiday, who's a very good ball player. But Brandon Ingram was great this year. We saw some flashes from Zion. What do you think about Zion and this Pelican team going into this upcoming season?
2: I think it's going to be interesting because it depends a lot, and this is going to sound weird, but it's going to depend a lot on if they retain J.J. Redick or not. Because, believe it or not, this this is still a young team. And they lost Drew Holiday uh, being traded to Milwaukee. So, and I think Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. So, you, you, you lose Holiday, you lose your head coach that set um, the style of getting up and down the floor. I mean, they had the fastest pace last season in the NBA. And I thought that benefited Zion when he was on the floor. And so uh, with Stan Van Gundy coming in, he is an accomplished coach. I like Van Gundy coming into that situation. The thing with Zion is it's all diet. It's really diet and being disciplined. And he's a young man. Young players feel invincible, especially with someone that has his body and athleticism. But he's going to continue to be often injured if he doesn't make adjustments to his body and his diet. And that's pretty much what it comes down to.
1: You know, that diet, that diet is important because I remember Charles Barkley had said it best one time when I wasn't Charles Barkley with Shannon Sharp. He said, if you're if you're a fat boy at 18 years old, it's one thing. If you're a fat boy at 25 years old, it's something
2: different. No, that's a great point. And, you know, what, what happens is if you're 18, you may still be growing. Right. You might still be getting an inch or two after 18. And then, you know, you get, your body settles in. But at 25, you're going to be what you're going to be. And I, I like that statement, that if, you, if you're a fat boy at 25 and you're trying to make money with your body, that's an issue.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely going to be a problem. Um, speaking of Milwaukee Bucks, so March 1st is the key date here. They go on a road trip. They hit a tailspin. Two weeks later, well, you know, 10 days or so later, the season comes to a pause. You get into the bubble. And it just don't seem like the same Bucks team. Matter of fact, their last 24 games, 10 and 14. My eyes. the first thing I said, this team stopped playing defense. But normally when something like this happens, when a team just drops off totally like this, I always say something's going on inside that locker room. What do you think happened with the Bucs towards the end of this year? And what do you think about how they're reshaping their roster to try to keep Giannis in town?
2: I like the aggressiveness from the front office of what the Bucks are trying to do. I think the addition of Drew Holiday and Bogdanovich, who they just got from Sacramento, is outstanding. Bogdanovich can play, and he can space the floor. Drew Holiday can create. And so I thought the Bucks were pretty good defensively, but it, the thing with them offensively, they get bogged down because they there was no one to really get you off the bounce besides Giannis. And so everybody would pack the lane and then close out on shooters. And I'm not a Boone Hoeser fan. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of that coach or his system. I think it's, you know, five out and not really running anybody to the post except for Giannis. I think they're going to have to make adjustments on that with the, the new personnel on their roster. So I, 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 I think what happened last year is that when you go going into a situation in the bubble, you're in the playoffs – and when a team throws something at you and you know that you can't make an adjustment to get around it, you know, on the offensive end, it, it's kind of demoralizing. And we've seen this from the Bucs the last two or three seasons, especially on the boonholzer. They, they do not make adjustments very well in those situations, and they put too much of the onus on Giannis. And so, again, I, I like what the Bucs are trying to do in terms of trying to get more competitive, trying to address some of their needs. But I'm not sure that's going to be enough to keep Giannis from the sunny shores of uh, uh, Miami Beach.
1: Oh, I'm making a little call right there. So before we get into that, two teams that ended the season on disappointing notes: the Los Angeles Clippers and the Philadelphia Seventy Sixes. I'm start with Philadelphia. Philadelphia had ten road wins last season, same amount of road wins that the Knicks had. And when a team plays excellent basketball at home, especially a team as talented at Philadelphia, plays excellent at home, and then they go on the road and it's losing streak after losing streak after losing streak, that to me points to they're taking this road trip as, you know, they're taking this as road trips with the fellas and not business trips. And that was going to cause Brett Brown his job, which it actually did. What do you think about this team under Doc Rivers now?
2: I think that Doc Rivers is a consensus builder, meaning that uh, Philadelphia has some chemistry issues big time. I don't know if it's Embiid. I don't know if it's Simmons, but it's one of those two guys. Mm -hmm. And when a team that, as you mentioned, is as talented as Philadelphia and they they can't win consistently on the road, that's a chemistry issue because those guys are competitive. They want to win just as much as anybody, any other the team in the NBA. Tobias Harris – is a tremendously talented forward, but he's not much of a leader. He's not going to be vocal. Uh, Al Horford does more leadership by example, but I think that he got fed up with the way that Joel Embiid is such a baby. I mean, Embiid is a baby, man. And he is so talented, but he's so sensitive. You You know, I know I sound like an old curmudgeon, Corey, when I talk about these younger players. These guys are supremely talented. But they're worried about what people are saying about them on social media and letting it affect their game. And Joel Embiid uh, has had problems staying in shape, so that's a personal situation. I think he's too much. He's too worried about his endorsements and the way he looks off the court than being dominant on the court. And so I think that Doc Rivers is and a man, Simmons
1: probably has some of the same some of the same issues as well. See, yeah. I think Joel Embiid has MVP talent. I don't know if Joel Embiid has MVP heart. It's going to be interesting to see what Doc can do with that team because, listen, they're not going to. It's just Philadelphia. They don't have a short rope on Doc, too. So eventually they're going to have to either move or get off one of those players or, you know, they're going to have to put it together and, you know, try to make a very deep run in the Eastern Conference. And that's got to be sometime soon. Um, The Clippers. Oh, boy. I mean, they were all the rage coming into the season. And you heard stories about. Guys upset with the load management, and then we see the Kawhi in Atlanta at the strip club, and then you know we go into the bubble. They want to leave the bubble. That's what they at least that was the rumor was, and then they had the, the the nasty exit, and now we're seeing Paul George could get moved, Russell Westbrook could end up there. I don't know if they really want Russell Westbrook on that team. Uh, Doc Rivers no longer there. Now you got Tyron Lue. What's the outcome for the Clippers in the 2021 season?
2: That's the million-dollar question because I'll I'll revert back to the bubble with the Clippers. They didn't want to be there in the first place. Hmm. They had a team uh, vote, and I believe they voted not to go. And so they didn't want to be there in the first place. Lou Williams gets his lemon pepper chicken wings from Magic City. Um, unfortunately, my friend had a death in his family, so that's excusable. But their minds weren't there. They didn't have. They didn't have a sense of cohesiveness all season long with the load management with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George kind of being and and an, how how can I say it a uh, kind of a quirky superstar. So they never really developed the type of chemistry that you need to be an elite basketball team. And so this offseason is going to be interesting because they're not going to be able to do much through the draft. They're going to have to do things through trades and uh, you know once free agency starts up, they may be one of the more active um, teams that we see. I, I don't know why they haven't been able to do what some of the other teams have been able to do in terms of trades up until now, but it's going to be interesting to see how they approach the out, uh, right before the season because this is a make-or-break season, in my mind, for the Clippers because Kawhi Leonard has a player option, as does Paul George at the end of next season.
1: Yeah, so th- this is going to kind of get done quickly, and we'll see how it plays out this year because it's going to be a very, very critical season for the Los Angeles Clippers. All right, Russell Westbrook, what's the, wh- what's the deal? Where, where, where do you, I don't think it's going to be Houston. And Listen, I, I I love the talent. I love the stats. I love the game. But I don't love the player because he doesn't win. So where's the, where does the rubber meet the road at with Westbrook this year?
2: You know, it's going to be interesting because, see, to me, I've got a little bit different uh, take on Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is a dinosaur in today's NBA game, meaning he plays hard every time he hits the floor. He does not take nights off, and he's going to require his teammates to do the same. That makes him unpopular among teammates, and this new generation of players, they don't go as hard consistently as Russell Westbrook does. And so it's going to be interesting where he ends up. I, I agree with you. I don't think he'll be in Houston. Um, I hope that he can get to a title contender. But the things that I've heard from current players and former players that have played with Russell, they love him as a teammate. Okay. Because, you know, he wants to win. Bottom line, he puts everything, he puts winning above everything. And you, you got to respect a guy like that.
1: All right. Before we get into some of these draft, uh, some of this draft stuff, I want to go through some M- some MVP odds for twenty twenty one over on the DraftKings Sportsbook. and I-, I find it interesting. Right now, the front runners for the award are Giannis and Luca, with Steph Curry following, and Anthony Davis and LeBron James coming up next. A little further down the board is a guy that I think. Uh, can can have a big year at 80 to 1 is Trey Young. And I like that you mentioned uh Devin Booker too. He comes in at 60 to one. But with those top two guys, do you think this is the, the Luka Doncic MVP season? I do.
2: But I to me, Corey, LeBron James should be the MVP yeah. for the year. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't get it. And I get I understand where the NBA is coming from. I get it. They want to spread the wealth around. They want to keep the fan interest high, but if you look at what he's done night in night out, he could be up for it every year. Now, with that being said, I think this could be Luka Doncic's year if he stays healthy. I think the Mavericks are trying to be involved in possibly. I, I heard them make it. Uh, they're, they're possibly looking at Westbrook. They're, they're looking at some other guys. They're going to make a move to try to get better. Mm -hmm. And if we can get one more piece in there around uh, a healthy Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic, this could very well be his MVP season.
1: All right, it's going to be interesting. What do you think about about his comrade, uh, his guy, you know what I'm saying, that he's kind of going to be linked to forever, and that's Trey Young. Are the Hawks a playoff team this
2: year? The Hawks could definitely be a playoff team. they got to be very strategic in who they get in this draft. I think Denny Advinia would fit in beautifully. With the Atlanta Hawks, because they they got John Collins at, at the forward position, who's solid. They got Clint Capella, the the one of the fastest rim to rim centers in the NBA. Obviously, Trey Young is one of the outstanding players, and so they need a, another playmaker uh, that can that can space the floor a little bit, that can put it on the deck and create and take a little bit of pressure off Trey Young, because I think. He's got too much offensive pressure on him right now. But I think the the, the Hawks, if they can get someone like Advia, uh Avdia, I keep me- mess messing his name.
1: D- D- Denny, we'll just go with Denny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Everybody'll know more tomorrow night. <laughs>
2: exactly. If they can get someone like Denny, I think that they could that could be the, the piece that gets them over the hump to get to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference.
1: So when you look at do you think the players are not on that team with Trey Young, I mean with, with um with DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, and um uh, possibly uh Cam Ruddish, who has really was a disappointment in Duke and his been a disappointment in his first year in the league.
2: I think those guys are good. Corey, I just don't think they're starters. Okay. I, I think they I think they're better coming in off the bench or you know, uh providing a spark off the bench. They would be a great those three guys coupled with maybe a, a league guard would be a great second unit for Atlanta. But okay you know I don't I don't think those guys are starters right now
1: all right so um now let's get into some of this nba draft stuff so when i started looking at draft props about a week ago um anthony edwards was a big favorite at about 2 to 1 to be the well at, at minus 200 to uh to be the the first pick of the draft and then sh- shortly but slowly we started to see lamelo ball become the favorite and then LaMelo Ball became a big favorite. Now I'm looking at the odds right now, and it's just about even between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. I think the pick is going to be Edwards. What do you think?
2: See, I think a lot of people think it's going to be Edwards because D'Angelo Russell is there in Minnesota. I still think it's going to be LaMelo Ball because the NBA covets two league guards if you can get them. If If you go back and look at Toronto Raptors and the success they've had, with Kyle Lowry and um, Fred VanVleet, they, they've had tremendous success with those two lead guards being able to play off of each other. I think that Minnesota is looking at a situation where if, if they don't get someone like LaMelo Ball and he goes on to have a Hall of Fame career, that could cost, cost a front office their, their jobs. No doubt. Uh, Anthony Edwards, I think, is getting a little bit more exposed from his time at Georgia. He's a tremendous talent. He can score. He's got a great body. His decision-making wasn't, wasn't great. Georgia didn't perform very well in the SEC. And some of those intangibles are starting to float to the surface that I think teams may, uh, you know, uh, Golden State, Minnesota, may say, you know what, I think, I think I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball as a, or, and James Weissman as opposed to Anthony Edwards.
1: So that, that's interesting. What are some of those intangibles that, that, that you're talking about?
2: Well, Anthony Edwards, um, you know, he, he, he's got, like a lot of young people, he's got a lot of people around him. Yeah. The people he grew up with. And these NBA uh, people, ladies and gentlemen, don't, people don't realize how the millions of dollars that NBA franchises put into player discovery mm-hmm. right? and, and, and background checks and going to the neighborhood and, and interviewing people. They do this quite extensively. And so I think sometimes people, when they hear certain things, and especially if they're not African-Americans in the front office, that kind of understand, hey, this is where the kid grew up. So this, th- these are the type of guys is going to be around. If they're not African-Americans in the front office, then sometimes they hear certain things that make them shy away from a particular player. And I think this is what's happening with Anthony Edwards.
1: Do you think a team – well, I see the Timberwolves are in an interesting spot as it comes as, as regard, in regards to trading the pick. Because they could be very well be up for sale shortly, and just as a gentleman's agreement, if you have a, if you're going to sell the team and you have the first pick, you don't trade the first pick and then sell the team. You know what I'm saying? So, do you think there's any way that they can try to trade out of this pick? I, you know, if if I'm Minnesota,
2: I would have been thinking that to begin with. Because yeah, because think about it, Lamelo Ball is not going to take you from a team that's looking on the outside of the Western Conference playoffs pl- picture to competing for a Western Conference title in one season. He's good. He's not that good. There's nobody in this draft that's going to take a team that's outside the playoffs and make them a title contender in one season. It's just not – the ta- those guys aren't in this particular draft. There are some very good players in this draft. So if I'm Minnesota and I'm trying to win now, I would have been thinking about trading the first pick from day one. but. I mean, that, that, that's just me.
1: Now, and I find that to be interesting because if that does happen tomorrow night where the Timberwolves do figure out a way to get out of this pick and, and trade back, if a team jumps up, I don't think a team is jumping up to get Ball or Edwards. I think a team jumps up to get Wiseman. Would
2: you feel the same way? I, I do because um, in the pace and space game that is the NBA, bigs are still very, very important. And Weissman showed enough to me at Memphis that he's got the ability, especially if he goes to a guy, uh, a team like Golden State, where he can be with the Splash Brothers and Draymond Green, uh, guys that can really show him how to expand his game and how to fit into their system beautifully. Uh, I think that that's a no-brainer, in my opinion, because he he's, to me, outside of LaMelo Ball, he's got the highest upside of anybody in this draft.
1: I would agree with that right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook. You can get plus money on James Wiseman to be the second pick of the draft. That number is dropping. You might want to hop on that ASAP. Because I do think if the Warriors don't get out of the pick, I think the pick is Wiseman. Do you think the Warriors get out of the pick, though?
2: I don't really see the path. Yeah, I I don't don't see why they would. Because if you're going to get out of the pick, you still need another big, right? And what quality big is going to come in and be able to – really take a back seat and, and, and kind of just be a rim runner, rim protector, and ball screen action guy that's not going to get a lot of uh, looks on the offensive end. I mean, it, it, whoever you are, you're going to be the fifth option going to Golden State because the Splash Brothers, one, two, Draymond Green, three, Andrew Wiggins four, and then whoever else gets to get shots up after that is who it is. And so I just think that Weissman is the perfect fit for what Golden State's trying to do, unless they've got you know an eye on you know a a key player, another wing player that can really bring some dynamic dynamic play to them.
1: I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. a name comes to mind. I don't know if the pieces are going to fit and work, but a name comes to mind: Miles Turner.
2: Now, now that's a good. fit. You know what? Now see you that. I can tell you've been studying the game a little bit. He will be been, I'm, 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 I'm,
1: I'm from New York, so the, I'm the, it's the city's game.
2: <laughs> he, my, I like Miles Turner, I, and I don't, I don't see the Indiana Pacers part ways with him because, uh, you know, he, he's a he's a high upside kid, young man, I should say. Uh, he's great off the court. He is very uh, skilled on the court, and he doesn't get a lot of credit for it. So, yeah. I think that's an interesting name. And if they could get him, I, I would I would make the trade.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. I don't like what the Pacers did with Nate McMillan. But, I, you know, listen, this, this team has been beat up the better part of two years. I mean, what do you want the man to do? Um, but I, I do think that, um, I, listen, it's going to be hard for them to get up there. But I think he'd be a very good fit with the Golden State Warriors. Um, finally, I, I mentioned the Golden State thing. When you look at some of the guys, you mentioned Therese Halliburton already. I want to ask you about a guy like Isaac Okorou.
2: I like him. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to wire you on the offensive end, but at six foot five, six six, two thirty, he can guard four different positions very easily. And if you go back and watch what he did at Auburn University, they gave him the ball a lot, and he made really good decisions with the ball. He's not a he's not a, a high usage guy, but when he has the basketball, he can put it on the deck. He can he can make a move to the rim, but he can also recognize if a double team is coming he can get it to a teammate he's not a guy that's going to run over people in the in the lane he's a very headsy player but i think his biggest contribution coming into the league is going to be his ability to defend he's he's probably the best defender in in the draft in my opinion and i think that he can have an immediate impact on the defensive end
1: there you go right there, it's my guy steven bardo Big Ten Network, Fox uh, Network, and of course, the online media rocking and rolling right now. I appreciate your time talking some NBA draft me, getting ready for the upcoming season, my man. Uh, thanks a lot. All right, Corey. Cool. Thank
2: you, man. I appreciate
1: it. All right. So let's get ready to hop on out of here. Once again, It's is the SI Fantasy Podcast brought to you by DraftKings, and we are out.